Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a joy for me to be with you today. And uh, I sort of know that road coming from Kitchener down to uh, Mississauga. We traveled many times over the last number of years as I would come down and speak. Little different location today. Uh, coming, uh, finding your new location. Very nice here. And um, it's good to be with you. Now, I don't see you. I know you can see me. But it's good to be with you virtually, and we're looking forward to the time when we can get back together in person. Well, the portion of scripture and the theme that's been pressing on my heart from the beginning of the year is found in Isaiah 43 and verse 19. And part of this verse says this, for I am about to do something new. See? I have already begun. Do you not see it? God is doing new things. He's always doing new things. But you know, I think especially through this time that we're living, this time of COVID, it's forced a lot of things new on us. Uh, this, what we're doing right now, is new. Uh, speaking to uh, virtually a, an empty auditorium, although there's a few people here, but it's new, and we've had to shift. And my admonition, and that's not my message, but I'll just say it at the beginning here, we need to focus on the things that we can do and not on the things we can't do. Because God is always doing something new. And we might be restrained from doing certain things in ways we've done it in the past. But I think as we navigate through this time, we can ask the Lord, Lord, help us, help me to find the new ways that you want to do things. And the results are always with the Lord. And if we're faithful, he'll carry it out. Well, as we've been looking through this uh, portion, God doing something new, I've been thinking about different facets of this, uh, different ways that we do things new. And the one that I feel like I want to share with you this morning is that um, we need a new response, a new response uh, to so many things. And, and it can be in the general aspect of what we're facing in society, but it's also very personal. I mean, how many times have you thought to yourself, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, I wish I hadn't responded that way. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And we go back and think, you know, I wish I had had a different response to this. Now, we can react in different ways. Sometimes when we do some, something, say something that we're not really happy with, you know, many times we just say, well, you know, I was just caught up in the moment. That, that wasn't really me. That, that's unlike me, but I, I just did that, and, and we make an excuse that way. Um, but you know what? We did do it. And it doesn't matter whether they say, well, that's not me. Well, it was you in the moment. And we wish I hadn't responded that way. Or, or we blame someone else. 
And we say, well, the only reason I did that was because they did this. And uh, I wouldn't have done that, That's, but they made me because they, were, they did that. And so I had to respond in a certain way. What I would say to us today, we need to own up to our actions. Own up to your responses. You know, we have a word. It's called responsibility. Response-ability. You need to take response-ability. You need to take ownership of what you say and what you do because, you know, one day the Bible says we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account of our actions and our words. So we need to be responsible. So this message is very valid uh, this morning, and I believe the Lord has given me some insights that will help us to have a new response. Here's the first thing I would say to you. Better responses, fewer regrets, better relationships. Now that is the progression. Better responses, you're going to have fewer regrets, and you're going to have better relationships. There's a portion of scripture in 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, uh, words of Peter as an admonition that I have used over the years as a closing benediction. And this is what it says. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, return blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit the blessing of God. Now, that is a portion of scripture you should really commit to memory because you should say it to over yourself all the time because it's speaking to this very thing the responses that we give, and the attitudes that we should have. It says, don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Don't, don't, don't do that. But you know, how often do we do that? Someone says something or does something wrong to us, well, we respond in the same way. Insult for insult, taunt for taunt, slight for slight, snub for snub, put down for put down. You know, you raise your voice, well, I'm going to raise my voice. And, you know, you hurt me, well, then I'm going to hurt you. And, and it, we, it just escalates. And, and the scripture says this is not the response that we need to have. This is not a response that brothers and sisters in the Lord have. This is not what's going to bring a blessing on your life because it escalates to something that's not good. And so we really need to lay hold of this and, and own up and say, I'm going to have a different response now, here's where we get to it. It's easy to say you're going to have a different response, but it's not easy to have a different response. Because when we feel attacked, we develop a defense mechanism. It's a firing defense mechanism. I, it's like a defense gun that we have. And when someone fires at us, we immediately uh, respond. You know, you're in a conversation, someone says something. You know, it doesn't maybe even have to be direct. It's like they fire at you, and it's like the bullet just whizzes by your ear, and you go, oh, what was that that they said? Oh, wow, that, 
that, that, that wasn't right what they said. They shouldn't have said that. And then the next bullet comes, and, and then the next one, and, and it wounds you. What do you do? We pull. It's just, it's just our defense. We pull our defense gun, and we fire back, and we get into this evil for evil, insult for insult, and, and, and there's just a blaze of fire and smoke around us, and, and when the smoke all clears... The casualty is the relationship. And Satan wants to destroy relationships. We were created for a relationship with God and relationship with each other. The, the, the saddest things, the things that give us the most remorse and the things that give us the most pain is broken relationships. We don't realize the responsibility we have in maintaining those relationships. Wow. Lord, help us as we launch into this this morning. Well, something triggers it. Uh, in fact, I, you know, if you go on the internet and you just Google better relationships, overcoming conflicts, and, you know, it's basically the same. Everyone knows the, the solution. It is identify the triggers... And the, you know, the things that trigger your response and understand, you know, your partner or your friend or your neighbor or your person you work with, understand what triggers their responses. And, and so don't, don't respond to those triggers, but de-escalate the situation. Well, that's, we all know that. <laughs> the problem is, I, I am trigger happy. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm there, and, and when something happens, I'm not always thinking in my mind, how are you going to respond? The response comes so quickly. And it wounds. When you feel wounded, something happens within you. Uh, triggers can be phrases that said. Uh, things from your past that, to, you know, maybe on the surface, but to you, that triggers something in you. Or it, it triggers something of, of a wound of the past, and it brings it up, and we all have them. And they're different. Now, it is good to identify triggers, but after uh, 48 years of marriage, <laughs> I begin to realize, I know those triggers, but I, I, I'm too quick to respond and, and, and I, I don't want to respond the way I do, but we, we do it so quickly. Now, here's the problem with this. There's a gunpowder <laughs> that really charges our responses, that, that propels the bullets that we fire. What's the gunpowder? Anger. Anger. Proverbs 30 and verse 33 says, as the beating of cream yields butter and striking the nose causes bleeding, so stirring up anger causes quarrels. The stirring up of anger. Uh, it, 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 there's a stirring of it. It doesn't just always at funds, but it's that escalation back and forth, and, and it rises until... The, the, you know, it starts maybe with just little thing, darts being thrown at each other, and then it becomes bullets, and then it becomes cannons, and then it, it just escalates uh, and becomes so much more destructive. Psalm 37, 8 says, Let go of anger. 
and leave rage behind. Don't get upset. It will only lead to evil. Well, we know that. But we get upset without wanting to get upset. And when we get upset, this automatic defense mechanism kicks in and we fire back and forth at each other. Here's another verse, Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. When you are angry, don't let it carry you into sin. Don't let the sun set with anger in your heart. Or give the devil room to work. It's in this firing back and forth of responses that gives the devil room to work. That's why it says be slow to speak, be swift to hear, slow to speak. It's in our words, it's in our responses. Satan can work in those things. He works it, anger stirs. Anger itself, we're going to see in a moment, is not sin within itself, but it leads to sin. It, it puts you right on the verge. It's like, it's like when God said to Cain, why are you angry? Do you not know sin is crouching at your door? I mean, you, you don't want sin crouching at your door. Anger is the thing. These responses back and forth, evil for evil, reviling for reviling, that, filing, that causes us to do. And it says, don't do it overnight. Don't, it, it's too dangerous for you to handle overnight. You need to deal with it in the day. Um, here's the thing. How many of us would take a loaded gun put our finger on the trigger, and go to bed with that in our hand. We'd say, oh, no, that would be too dangerous to do that. Or both people, both spouses, they go to bed with a loaded gun in their hand. We'd say, no, I'll put my gun up, you put your gun up. We don't need to go to sleep like this. It's too dangerous. But we do it all the time with anger. That, that, that can be more damaging to ourselves and to our relationships and to our well-being than physically being hurt with a physical gun. I'm trying to paint a picture for us today. I'm trying to set a scene for us and, and to realize, you know what, this is an important thing. We need a new response. We need a new response. How do we get that new response? Now, before we go on to that, let me just say, there's two kinds of anger. There's a, a visible anger that's expressed by heated words and actions. And, you know, you can see that very, you say, man, he's angry or she's angry. And, uh, you know, the words are spewing out. There's, there's one kind. And so sometimes we can get sanctimonious and say, you know what, I'm not angry. They got angry, but I wasn't angry. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't speak back. But there's another kind of anger. It's an invisible anger. It's an anger that's expressed in cold, hard silence. The, you know, you, you give people the silent treatment and you just get cold and aloof and you don't speak. I've seen people not speak for days. I was just talking to a family that hadn't spoken to, uh, their, for, for 14 months I hadn't spoken because of a rift. Um, that is as damaging as the person that just spews out words in rage. 
you have to realize we all have defense. We, we are protect, we want to protect ourselves. And we protect ourselves either with a, with a wrong response, whether it's outward words or cold, silent treatment. Okay, so what does the Bible say that de-escalates anger? And let's move here through this. Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So, okay, we're, we're going to get some pictures here. It's a soft answer, not a hard answer, not an answer with an edge, not an answer with an attitude. It's a soft answer. It's like a Nerf ball answer. <laughs> you know, you catch it. It's not going to hurt you. Uh, it, it, it's soft. A soft answer turns away wrath. Here's another verse, Proverbs 15, 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. So again, it's talking about softness, slow to anger, de-escalate the situation, don't get into this back and forth. And then another verse, Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So this is saying, this is not an easy task. If you can control your anger, you're a mighty, mighty person. Uh, it's just as if you're as strong as if you went and took a city. So this is not an easy task. And we, and we know it's not easy. So we know the solution is to unload these negative emotional reactions and to load spiritual promptings. Now, we know that's the answer. I haven't said anything new to anyone here yet this morning. Uh, you know this. The thing is, how do we do it? How do we do it? Here's what the scripture says in Luke 645. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Okay, now, now we, we got to see, where, is, where are my words? Where is this response connected to? It's connected to our heart. And if you have good things in your heart, then good words are going to come out. If you have negative things in your heart, then negative things are going to come out. So we need to get down to our heart. Now, here's the, how many of you heard the, you might have said it yourself or you heard it. Uh, someone's talking to you and saying, boy, he really touched a nerve in me. Uh, and man, it just set me off. It touched a nerve. What do we mean when we say it touched a nerve? Well, there's something that's connected to something deeper. I don't know the physiology of all this, but it's coming, it's connecting to something that's, that's central in your being. The nerve ending is touching something central to you. Now listen, when that happens, you flinch. It's like, how, how do you not flinch? Uh, you've got a tooth that's bothering you a little bit, and you bite on it. Oh, you, how, how do you stop from going... How do you stop from screwing up your face? How do you stop from winch, wincing? Or, 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 or giving a sound of, ow! How do you stop? Somehow, we have to deaden the nerve. How do we do that? Our responses are so grooved. 
we always respond that way. We always do it that way. It is so hard to break responses, especially when they're connected to something inside of us. It's touching something deep in our core that we don't want it to touch, but when it does touch, it's like I respond before I think I'm regretful after, but I've already spoken or had the response and it's caused the damage. So how do we deaden the nerve? Many times... The anger we feel is sort of a righteous anger. And so it's touching something that's of God. God gets angry. And many times we get angry because we are sensing God's anger. That should never have happened. They should never have said that. That should never have been done. I don't know why they did that. They shouldn't have done that. And we get upset upset what the bible says don't get upset well how do i not get upset because i'm touching god i'm feeling like a righteousness this is something that needs to be remedied this is not right what's happening and 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 there's got to be a judgment brought on this there's got to be a remedy brought to this this cannot be left alone and so our anger many times is coming out of something that's righteous and so there's a mixture here uh, I, I, I don't want to respond in a bad way, but I'm sort of feeling justified in how I'm responding because this was not right and it should be changed and it's got to be remedied. So here's the dilemma, you know, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to describe how I feel many times, I'm sure how you feel different situations, and yet we get into the escalation back and forth, back and forth, and, and it becomes destructive. So... Here's a key verse. Uh, we're getting to the heart of the message right here. Proverbs 19.11. A man's understanding makes him slow to anger. Okay, how do, how, do I, how do I become slow to anger? Well, a man's understanding makes him slow to anger. It is to his honor to forgive and forget a wrong done to him. Okay. A man's understanding makes him slow to anger. It is to his honor to forgive and forget a wrong done to him. I'm reading out the New Living Version. Uh, okay, so my an understanding is going to make me slow. It'll allow me to forgive and to forget this and be able to respond the way God wants to. Okay, so here's the question. What is that understanding? If a man's understanding is going to bring this about, what is that understanding? What is this this understanding I need to have in my mind. What's this thing I need to have in my heart? What, what's this new mindset I need to have that, that deadens the nerve, that, that I don't respond in the wrong way? What is that understanding? Now, let me just tell you first, and then we'll go back and we'll... we'll here, here's what I believe the understanding is. The startling response changing understanding is that God's anger and justice that's causing you to react to this wrong done to you has already been carried out and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm feeling angry about this situation. And, and, and to me it's new. This is a fresh wound. This, this just happened. I mean, this just transpired. So 
Now we've got to grip this thing and, we, and we've got to judge it and we've got to make it right. And, and we don't realize, you know what? That's already happened. The wrong that was done to you, the penalty, the judgment, the righteous anger has already been poured out. This is why the Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Don't avenge yourself. Why? I, I, I should. And, and God, I need to see it right immediately, you doing something about it. But he says, don't do that. Why? Because God, in God's eyes, that wrong that was just done to you is history to him. He is eternal. He lives in eternity. When, and, and let's read the verse here in Isaiah 53, prophetic words of Jesus coming as the Lamb of God. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 4, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my, our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus hanging on the cross was smitten by God. He took the penalty. He bore the wrong. He, it was laid on him the transgressions, the iniquities of us all. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. The judgment of our sin has already been carried out. Past, present, future. He took the sins of the whole world. He died once for all. It's already been carried out. Now, here, here's what I'm proposing to you today. Is that the anger that you feel that brings wrong responses is coming out of a heart that says, this, I have to make this right. Rather than saying, it's already taken care of. Now, I, let me just add real quickly on this. I understand that there are authorities in the world. Government, police, family. Uh, there, are, there are God's given authorities that do bring justice upon sins. Uh, but I'm talking about a personal attitude here. Personal forgiveness. We need to realize that the offenses are new to us, but they're not new to the Lord. And that we feel that this sin needs to be exposed, but it's already been exposed and dealt with. So the righteous anger you feel and the judgment you feel that must be administered has already been expressed and carried out by God. We sing the song, O come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness has already been bought. I don't have to do something, it's already there. The Father's arms are open wide. He's saying, come to me. I'm offering forgiveness. But we stand and say, I don't know whether I'll forgive or not. Why are we saying we don't know? As if we are saying what God did on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, is not enough. It's not sufficient. 
Yes, Jesus died for that sin, but you know what? I need something here. They need to pay me something. They owe me something. Yeah, I know God's taking care of it, but I need to have it. I need to see it. Now, do you see why unforgiveness is such an offense to God? It's abhorrent to God because what we're saying when we will not forgive someone is that your forgiveness is not sufficient, Lord. The penalty that you bore on the cross did not do enough. It diminishes what Christ has done. It despises it. And, and we want to hold the person to account. Rather than realizing, you know what? I am to bear the suffering of Christ. Oh man, we're getting to it here. My response has to shift from, I want vengeance, to how can I extend forgiveness to this person that they would experience the forgiveness of God? How do I, as Jesus bore it on the cross, how do I take up my cross, and how do I respond in such a way that will be inducive to this person, sensing God's love and acceptance, having a soft heart that will be repentant and can receive the forgiveness that's offered? Will I be an instrument of judgment or will, be I, will I be an instrument of forgiveness to this person? Now, this is a shift in heart. This is an understanding of heart. This is where a man's understanding in his heart will cause him to be slow to anger and will cause him to forgive and forget the sin. It's an understanding. We need to get this into our mind over and over and over again that we're not hoping when something's done wrong to us that this person gets what they deserve. We need to have a feeling, I hope they get what they need. They need forgiveness. They need a soft heart. They need to respond to God. They need to humble themselves. What can I do to be an instrument of God's grace to this person? How can I be a redemptive force in this person's life? I'd put it this way. The new response is to personally forgive and be willing to suffer for that person's redemption. Just as Jesus suffered for the redemption of our sins on the cross, take up your cross and bear the wrongs of others and forgive and be gracious. It doesn't mean you're not firm in the sense that we don't, we just ignore things. You know, someone breaks into our house, so we're never going to call the police. I understand we're not talking about that level. We're talking a personal level. A level in your heart, what you personally can do to show forgiveness. And we see over and over again, as people are given forgiveness, it softens their heart. A hard response hardens their heart. A soft response softens their heart. People need a soft heart to the Lord. And, and it's walking in the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit give us promptings that I'm not reaching for my gun to, re, to, to bring judgment on this person, I'm just immediately saying, God, what, what do you want to say to this person? What do you want to do? We have the story in the Bible. It's in uh, Matthew 18 about the king who wanted to settle his accounts. 
He brought the people in. One man came, owed him millions of dollars. And uh, the man says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't pay you. Would you forgive me? I can't, I can't pay you. And the king has mercy, forgives the man. And then the man goes out and he sees another person who just owes him a few thousand dollars. And the man says, oh, I'm sorry, I, 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 can't, for, I, I, can't, I can't pay you. Will you forgive me? And the man says, no way will I forgive you. You, you, you. He takes him by the throat and he says, you are going to have to pay me. And we pick up the verse in Matthew 18, 30, 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid the, his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I mean, those are powerful words. You can see that God's agenda is forgiveness and redemption. His agenda right now is not punishment. He's already bore the punishment. Now his, his agenda is forgiveness and seeing people repent and receive the forgiveness. Here's the thing. You could have the forgiveness but not receive it because you never soften your heart. Maybe our heart's hard because other people have hardened it because of their negative responses. These are things that I turn over and over in my heart and my mind. So it comes back to our verses that uh, Pastor Ronald read at the beginning, and let's close with these verses. It's Matthew 5 and verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the old response. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You knock my tooth out, I'll knock your tooth out. An eye for an eye, that's the old response. But what does Jesus... But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek. You know, you don't slap him back. No, it says you offer the other cheek. You're still open to the person. You're still responsive to the person. If anyone wants to sue you, take away your tunic. Let him have your cloak also. Because you're not controlled by material things. You're more concerned about the person's eternal destiny than you are that I lost this physical thing. And whoever compels you, go one mile, go with him too. So it's not your personal inconvenience. You're more concerned of how can I minister to this person. That's the new response. goes on in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's the old response. I love the people that love me and I hate the people that are hateful towards me. But Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you shall love your or let me let me go. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. So here's the responses: I love, I bless, I do good, I pray. For all these people that are firing things at me. It goes on to say, because this is what the Lord wants. This is what your heavenly father wants. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are the new responses. It cannot be done in our own selves. 
I believe it's only when your heart softens to your own forgiveness and you have a new heart given to you that is aligned with God's heart, you see people through God's eyes, not through what they've done to you, but what does God want to do in their lives? So I have a new understanding, I have a new motivation. The Holy Spirit is within me. He's prompting me. He's giving me God's love. He's giving me responses to do. But I do think you have to be responsible, have a responsibility that you see it, and then you pray and say, God, let me be an instrument of grace to other people. Let me pray for myself and everyone today because this is a Herculean task that only God's Spirit can do. Father, I thank you for your word. It's clear in your word, and yet we realize how difficult it is to perform. I ask, Lord, that we would have a new understanding today and that we would have a new desire to respond differently, that we would catch ourselves in the middle of a response and just say, Lord, help me. I, I'm going down the wrong path here. Give me your heart. Give me your mind. Let your mind be in me. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me close with Peter's great admonition to us. Now, finally, all of you, be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, return blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit the blessing of God. Amen.